Good morning. Wow, hello. My name's Emily, and alongside my husband John, we head up the kids' team on Sunday mornings upstairs, which is a massive honour and a privilege for us that for a few Sunday, for a few hours every Sunday, uh, we get to speak life into the lives of our children and young people. And you know, I was having a little think about what we and the kids and the young people wanted to share with you today, and God really broke it down for me. So he said, what's the one single thing that you want every child to understand? What one thing, if they didn't grasp or take in anything else that you teach them, what one single thought would you want them to know after spending time with you on a Sunday? And I thought, well, that's simple, that God loves them. And, you know, we do a lot of crazy stuff upstairs. It sounds like a herd of elephants. It looks like a herd of elephants. Uh, We dance, we sing, we play games, we run around, we tell stories, we do crafts, we throw custard pies. Every week is different. And all of it is fantastic and fun. We want every child to find friendship. We want them to have fun. We want them to grow in their faith and their freedom. But if they did all of that and left not knowing that they were loved by God then we've failed. You see, you can learn all your memory verses, you can read every Bible story, but if you don't know that God loves you, then what's it all about? And if you left today, and the only thing you took away from this morning is that God loves you, and I mean a deep knowing, a true realisation, maybe some sort of epiphany, that God loves you, he really loves you, then we would have done a good job. And I truly believe that if you live your life from a place of knowing how much you are loved by God, then you can avoid so much trauma and pain. Yes, hard times come, but if your belief that God loves you is unwavering in the midst of those hard times, then the way you deal with that can look so much different. And don't we all need reminding sometimes? So for us to be able to speak that love into the lives of our children and young people every single week is so important. Because what they believe about God and about what he thinks of them will frame their life experience for years to come. And I didn't feel like it was enough for me to just get up here and merely tell you that God loves you. So we asked the kids, what does that mean? What does that look like in your life? How do you know that God loves you? Because I don't ever want that phrase, God loves you, Jesus loves you. I don't want that to become a cliche. I want our kids to truly understand that truth and how it applies to them. So we asked them last week, Charlotte sat down with them, and we asked them, how do you know God loves you? And the kids, they did some drawings and they wrote down some things about what it means to them to know God's love. And out of those, I've picked a couple to share with you today because I think we can learn an awful lot from the childlike faith of these children. So the first one, uh, we're going to have a picture. This was drawn by Phelan. He was in the first service. He's five years old. And um, he wrote, God loves me. He keeps me safe. How good is it to know that God keeps us safe? That when the storms of life come, when we're scared, when we're being bullied, or when we worry for the future, we can know that God is there loving us, that he wraps his arms around us and he keeps us safe. How can we know? Well, it says in the Bible that God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in time of need. It says in Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
It says in Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. We can rest in his shadow. I like to think of us standing right next to him, close enough that we're within his shadow, but maybe just behind him. And we can let, he can stand in front of us and we can let him do all the fighting for us. And we're just there, protected by him in his shadow. We're totally safe and we don't have to worry anymore. And the list is almost endless of the number of times in the Bible that it says that he protects us, he is our refuge, he keeps us safe. But have you ever experienced a time in your life when you didn't feel safe? Because sometimes if you're living from a place of safety, you might not even know it until you realise what it feels like to be unsafe. I remember as a child I went to a theme park Now, I told this story in the first service, and my dad came to me afterwards, and he said it was Chessington, um, and we were there as a family, (laughs) and he remembers it too, because he was just as scared. So, (laughs) um, it's a pretty vague memory for me, um, so forgive me if I embellish the story a little bit. I don't even know if it actually happened the way that I remember it, but as a child, I was obviously quite small, no surprises. I went on one of those boat rides, and we're going to have a little film that's going to show you what I mean. It's a pirate ship, and it swings like this from one way to the other. And um, if you sit in the end of the boat, then when you get to the top, you, you end up being almost vertical, really. So I was a small child obviously just about tall enough to be on the ride, which probably means I was 12 or something, I don't know. But um, (laughs) so the way you're locked into these rides is you sit basically on a bench and um, you're in a row of people and there's a long metal bar that stretches across everybody and it pulls forward and it locks into place. Um, But the problem for me is that I was small, so where it locked into place was still actually quite far away from, from me and I had to sort of hold on at arm's length. The boat starts swinging, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is okay. This is fine. But um, as it got higher and the boat got faster, I began to think, actually, this is not fine. This is really not fine. And I was up the back, so when it got highest, I was almost vertical. And every time the boat jerked, when it got to the end of its, I'd like to say arc, but that would be that way. So when it got to the end of up here um, and it jerked, I was flung from my seat into the bar. If I wasn't holding on really tight, I was convinced that I would fall over the bar and out of the ride. Now, this is quite a hazy memory, so I have no idea if this was likely to happen at all, but that's what it felt like. In my memory, I um, end up hiding under the bar in the sort of footwell, and um, my dad is not convinced that that happened. But... um, (laughs) And I'm not, it doesn't sound very plausible, but that's in my head. Um, <laughs> so um, the fact is, I didn't feel safe. Even if it was very safe, I didn't feel safe. And the longer it went on, my anxiety rose. And the, needless to say, I did not enjoy the ride. I couldn't look forward. I just had to focus on that one moment, desperately holding on, trying to keep myself safe. And that's what it's like when we don't feel safe. We're anxious. We can't look forward to the future. We can't even enjoy the ride that we're on. We try desperately to keep ourselves safe with our own coping mechanisms. And it usually doesn't end well. It's not usually a healthy way to live. But what if you knew that you were safe? Now, if I was locked into that ride with complete confidence that I couldn't fall out, 
maybe more like one of those seats with the harness that comes over, you know, maybe so tight that you can't breathe, but you, you know that you're not going to fall out. Maybe I can't see the safety measures that are in place, but I can trust that this ride has received every safety award going, that it's been checked numerous times, that thousands of people have gone on the ride before me and not one person has fallen out. I could feel pretty safe then. What if my own dad was the engineer who designed the ride and he knew the ride inside out from start to finish? He knew how it starts, he knew how it was going to end. There is no way that he would allow me to be unsafe. I would be pretty safe and I would know that I was safe. And when we're completely confident in God's love for us and his ability to keep us safe, we can live freely. No matter what happens, no matter what situations might appear to be unfolding, we can live free from fear and anxiety and worry and just know that we are safe. So that was feeling. So the next one was from Josh. So Josh is five. And he said, I know God loves me because he gave me a family. Josh has a lovely family. And although we might not always appreciate it, there's something about families where you have to think that God knew what he was doing. And you might be sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I don't have a family. Or maybe your family isn't really living up to your expectations right now. Well, that's okay. Because in Psalm 68, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He plucks us out of our seeming obscurity and loneliness, and he places us amongst other people, families. A few years ago, when I lived in London, my church had adopted a number of causes or ministries that it intentionally supported. And one of those was Watoto Children's Ministries. Now, you might have heard of them. They have a children's choir, which travels around the globe, and they've sung for the president and for the queen, and they did a tour locally. You might have gone to see them. But actually, all of the children in that choir are orphans. And what Watoto decided to do back in 1994, when they first began, was to care for the widow and the orphan in Uganda. And they began in Kampala, and then they planted out into Gulu in northern Uganda, which was a stronghold for the Lord's Resistance Army at a time of war. And the way they did this was by placing orphans into families. They take a widow who has no means of supporting herself, and they place her in a family unit with a handful of orphans. And they live in a house within the Watoto village, and they grow into a family unit together. So I think we've got some pictures. So this is one of the units in the village. Um, so the village is made up of a number of those, and each family lives in a house in a community. And they attend school there. They attend church. The village has a hospital. It's a pretty amazing setup. And if there are babies, well, the babies are placed into the baby Watoto home, where the staff-to-baby ratio is four carers to one baby. And when they first arrive, they are held by the same worker for 48 hours straight, just so that they know that they're in a loving environment and that their worker loves them and cares for them, and they're not let go, they're not put down. And these babies grow into toddlers in this amazing environment, and when they're two, they're placed in a family unit and they live in the Watote village. So it's not like an institution of an orphanage, this is God in action. He's taking the lonely, he's taking the orphans, and he's placing them in families. We've got another picture. There's a family. And it's amazing, and they, they raise these children, they send them out into the world, and they encourage them to be leaders, and you know, dream big dreams, and become doctors, and lawyers, and prime ministers, and 
And it's amazing. And God does that. So God has given us all a family. And that might look different for each one of us. Maybe your family is your circle. Maybe it's some close friends. Maybe it's your literal flesh and blood family. Or maybe there's a group of people that have welcomed you in as if you were family. He's given us a family. And families aren't perfect. And sometimes they let us down. Sometimes we upset each other. But families are bound by a common thread. And maybe that's DNA. Or maybe that's just God bringing a bunch of people, random people together who shouldn't really fit together, but they do. And in those families, we get to live out God's love together. We travel through life together. We go through ups and downs. We laugh, we cry, we forgive. And it's not always pretty, but there's definitely beauty within it. So God gives us family. And in that family, we're secure and we are loved. And then because of that, we have the capacity to love and to extend that affection and grace and unconditional love towards other people. We get to do love in action. So what do I want us to leave here knowing today? That God loves you. He loves you so much that he keeps you safe from the storms. He loves you so much that he gave you a family. Yes, God loves us purely, totally and unconditionally. He knows everything about us and yet he still loves us. He knows our deepest, darkest secrets. He knows all of our past. He knows what we think when no one else is around and he loves us. And Paul wrote in Romans, he says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you know anything about Paul, you would know that he had plenty to be ashamed about, that in some minds could disqualify him from God's love. You see, before he became super church planter Paul, he was Saul, persecutor of Christians. He had made it his mission in life to eradicate this new uprising of Jewish Christians. He had authorised the execution of some of the people who loved Jesus the most. So surely if there was someone who God was going to be angry with, someone who God would separate himself from, it was going to be Paul. But no, even Paul knew that nothing could separate him from God's love. Nothing could disqualify him. God loved him, and out of that revelation, he was able to go out and change the world, bringing the love of God to places that had never experienced it. And he wrote a huge chunk of the Bible whilst he was at it. God loved him, and God loves you. And God loves you so much that he created this amazing world for you to live in. He loves you so much that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always keep you safe. He loves you so much that he placed you in a family so that you could experience love. And if all you take from today, whether you're three or 93, if all you learn every day for the rest of your life is that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who is for you, who believes in you, then I believe that foundation will cause you to change the world. And your world might be school, or it might be college, or your workplace, or your home, or your family. Right now, that world might be Ashford. And when we are armed with the knowledge that God loves us, we can go out into those worlds in full confidence and show that love to others. So I challenge you today to think about how you can do that. 
We're going to close this morning by singing Good, Good Father. And if during that song you'd like prayer for anything, maybe you've never experienced the love of God and you'd like to. Maybe you're struggling because you don't really believe that God could ever love someone like you or you don't feel like God has placed you in a family. Then please do come to the front and myself or John or one of the team would love to pray for you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.